Morning, church. How are we? How good was worship this morning? So good. Don't need a drummer. I think I'm just going to sit down every week. I don't need to be up there. But if there are any other drummers, come talk to us. We need uh, some extra drummers. Um, I get to speak this morning, and this morning I'm speaking about speaking. So uh, it's like Inception. Um, It's going to be fun. Uh, So I hope you're ready to hear from what God has to say. I hope you're ready for uh, something fresh. I know God challenged me in this as I was as I was preparing this that this is still something that I am in learning something that I'm still struggling in something that still challenges me so I, I hope it challenges you this morning and encourages you but uh today I want to talk about the power of our words the power of our words in Genesis 1 we see that God created the universe and he spoke the universe into existence in Genesis 1 verse 3 it says that God said, let there be light, and there was light. He just said it, and it became, it happened. So the very first words that we actually see in Scripture are we actually used to create, not just to communicate. I think it's interesting that we sometimes just limit our words and our speaking just to simple communication. But that the very first words that were spoken were actually used to create. There's actually more than just communication with our words, and our words are actually powerful. Our words actually have power to create. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I love that little bit at the end there. If you love to talk, you'll reap the consequences. It could be good consequences, could be bad, but the power of life and death is on our tongue. That's actually crazy just to think about that for a second. The power that you have at your disposal, what happens when you speak is bringing life or death. Isn't that crazy? You can speak to create or you can speak to kill. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Sometimes I think we're just so casual with our words. We're so just careless with our words. We don't realize how much power they actually carry. You know, uh, we use them, we become so familiar with them, but they can actually bring death or life. I I saw that Mark Turley recently got a hedge trimmer um, on Facebook. Did anyone see that photo of Mark with his hedge trimmer? He's looking like a boss holding this thing. It looks like pretty mean. It's battery powered and has like 20 razor sharp teeth sticking out of it. And I don't know if he knows how to use it or if he's going to hurt himself, but he has this thing. And uh, I was hoping he'd be here this morning so I could rip into him, but he's not here. So we'll just keep moving. Um, But Mark has this, this new tool, right? And he doesn't just leave it around at home, hopefully, just lying on the counter, right? Why doesn't he just leave it out? Because of this little guy named Alex Turley, who lives in the house, and I think if he had that thing, it'd probably take him about 15 minutes to shred every wall in the house and probably chop somebody's leg off, probably Christian. Um, and they have this power tool, but Mark's not careless with it because he knows that it has power, right? That, that head trimmer can create, it can create those beautiful like horse bushes that you see in all the movies, or it can, it, people are like, what is a horse bush? Just watch um, Pocahontas, they always carve, anyway, I've been watching Disney with my kid. Um, Or it can be used to kill, it can be used to destroy, it can be used to cut down. And it's the same with our words. We have this thing at our disposal, but for some reason we're just super careless with it. We just, it's almost like leaving that head trimmer laying around. We don't realize the power, the damage that we can actually do or the life that we can actually bring with our words. Does that make sense? Cool. Well, I'm done then. All right. (laughs) This morning I want us to remember that our words are powerful, that we should be intentional with them that we can use our words to create or we can use our words to kill. Lord, I just ask that you would speak through me right now, Holy Spirit. We just invite your presence. We just invite you in our hearts. 
we just ask that you would challenge us, God, that we would realize the power and the potential of our words, Father, that you would speak to us afresh this morning, that we wouldn't leave this place the same, but we'd leave on a mission, we'd leave with, with your calling, we'd leave with your challenge in our hearts, that we would speak life everywhere we go. Amen. I was reflecting uh, recently on uh, when, when I was writing this about how words actually created a relationship between myself and Hannah, right? So like very, very beginning of our relationship was we started chatting on MSN Messenger. Anyone have an MSN Messenger? All the young adults over here. Um, yeah, there we go. There's another one. Um, MSN Messenger was great. It's like old school. Um, and I used to go invisible. And then when Hannah would come online, I'd like pop online. Like I wasn't, I just happened to be on. Um, and so she would pop online and, and I was brilliant at MSN Messenger. I was like a proper Shakespeare in the way that I would talk to her and it was straight out of a book, Pride and Prejudice or something. That's how I used to speak, like Mr. Darcy. Um, and so I, she would come online and I would just, she wouldn't be ready for this, this but I'd just be like, hey, text that to her. And then the follow-up question, which she was, is a big kicker, how are you? With like, are you? Like the letters, just to save time. Um, and then she would write back this lovely response and she'd be like, how are you? And I'd be like, good. So we started our conversation like that with these brilliant, masterful words, right? Um, and that's how it began. And so our friendship um, developed. We used to write emails to each other because we didn't really live close. And, um, and then as it progressed, um, I remember I asked her to our, our first date. I kind of tricked her into this first date um, where we went to a wedding together and she thought there was like other people coming, but it was just like me and her at the wedding. Um, <laughs> And uh, I didn't actually mean to trick her. I was just so terrified speaking to her that I didn't communicate properly. So she just said yes to this thing she didn't realize she was doing. And um, anyway, but when she came to the wedding, I had like written a poem for her and I had a card. Uh, I, had a, I had a flower with it and I gave it to her and it was, it was amazing. It worked really, really well. She didn't say much at the time, but I could tell already she was having like prophetic visions of Lydia in her head. Like it was, it was incredible. And then uh, later on, I told her I liked her like officially. And uh, she was like, yeah, okay, that's nice. Um, and she wasn't like, she kind of said she wasn't that interested or not yet kind of thing. That's the vibe I was getting. It's kind of like in Dumb and Dumber. Has anyone seen Dumb and Dumber where he's, she says like, you know, your chances with me, me are one in a million. And he's like, so you're saying there's a chance. That was like, that was me with Hannah. I was like, I just ignored all of that. And I was like, there's still a chance. All right. So uh, I kept pursuing her. And then eventually she realized that she did like me. Just had a bit of convincing. And, and uh, she, I remember we're driving along. And the first time she just kind of just sprung it on me. We're just driving. And she like tells me that she really likes me and tells me all these nice things about me. And I'm just like in my head, just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And, uh, and I, I think I got to say something nice back. And so this is literally what I said. No joke. I was like, that's all I said like nothing came out in my head it was amazing but it just came out as like rubbish and she just started laughing so words really let me down there um and uh and then when our first valentine's day I read her a song and performed it live which was the most scary thing I ever did almost puked all over the guitar um and then when we proposed, you know, I had to use my words to say, will you marry me? So it's just amazing like how words actually like created this future between us that every like critical point, there was something that had to be said. And it actually created this future between us. It created life. You know, when, when, when we created Lydia, I said, hey, babe, you're busy tonight. And that led to <laughs> life being born, right? It started with words. Now we, uh, just like God used his words to create 
the universe, we too can use our words to create life in other people. We actually use our words to create futures. I believe that we can create futures for ourselves and we can create futures for others. And that's what our words can actually, can actually do. You can speak life into someone or you can speak death. And the power is with us. And I think at first that can seem quite scary. Like a knee-jerk reaction would be like, I'm just not going to say anything because I don't want to wreck anything. But that's actually not what God wants. God doesn't want us to be terrified of this thing that we have. He wants us to realize the potential we have and be excited that you actually have the power to speak life into the world. You can actually change the world through what you say. We shouldn't be afraid to use our words. We have this incredible tool that we wield. Now, this is going to be like a little bit of a two-part sermon. I haven't done that before, but I'm speaking in a month. And uh, next time, I'm going to be speaking a little bit more about the power of words in relation to how we speak to ourselves and how we speak to our circumstances. But today, I want to talk specifically about what we say in relation to others, what we speak to others, how we create in others, how we bring life to others. Our words can create life in others. Our words can build others up. Our words can, can instill um, a sense of hope when there's hopelessness. Our words can bring faith into an environment where there's no faith in other people. Our words can actually bring and create futures in other people. You know, but our words can also be used to kill. We can bring people down another level. We love to do that in Australia. When someone's doing really well, we just like to kind of chop them off at the knees so they come back down to our level. Something we love to do. We, we like to, to bring people down with our words at times. We can use our words to really hurt, to damage. I was just writing down a few of the ways I could think of that, that our words can be used to kill. Slander, gossip, lying, accusing, teasing, foul language, arguments, abusive words, deception, and singing that baby shark song. I hate that song. Um, if you don't know what it is, don't Google it. Terrible song. Um, but our words can be used to damage, to bring pain, to bring destruction, to bring death. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few ways that we can actually create life in others. Just a few ways that I thought of. These aren't the top four, but these are just like some that I think we should focus on this morning. Are you ready? You have your notepads ready to write down, you know? Okay, good. Or you're just going to listen to the podcast like me. Um, okay, first one is this, speak wisdom. First way that we can create life, that we can speak life, speak to create is to speak wisdom. Proverbs 18 verse 7 says this, The mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Have you ever listened to a fool? Have you ever listened to really bad advice? Yeah, I have. I have a brother and um, uh, he used to listen to my advice all the time. I used to listen to his advice. It was really dumb. I remember one time um, I had this really good advice to give to my brother. He had this little stupid toy plunger and he stuck it on his forehead. And I was like, you know, if you pump that 50 times, it's going to leave like a sick mark. Um, and he was like, oh, cool. So he's like, and he pumped it like a good 50 times. And then he took it off and there's this massive red hickey and it was there for like three weeks. And so he's wearing a baseball cap everywhere. He's like playing bass on Sunday with his head down, like, because he looks like he's got this weird red mark. So that was him taking my advice, and that was, that was fun. Um, another time I took his advice is we made this awesome rope swing, like, out over a cliff, because um, we had, like, this property, and there was, like, a bit of a gully at one stage. And so we made this rope swing, and we're like, this is going to be awesome, because you can start up here, but when you swing out, you're going to be, like, heaps high. Um, which is a great idea, right? Good wisdom there. Um, and so usually I make my brother the guinea pig, but this time I was like, I'm going to 
do this because this is going to be awesome and I want to take the credit for it. So I, I jump off this thing, but we didn't put like any real way to hold onto the rope tightly. And it was like a thin rope. And so I just like all the way down the rope and I took my hands off and it was like melted cheese or something. Like it was like fully just like I was burned and I'm like, ah, and we run up to the house and we never did that rope swing again. But anyway, boys do stupid things, right? We have different kinds of ideas of what we think is going to be a good idea at the time. A bit foolish, but I did a lot of things that weren't very wise at the suggestion of somebody else. Um, and I learned pretty quickly not just to do everything everyone says, that you, you learn that in life, that some people offer, offer, offer very bad advice to you. But we can actually be people that do the opposite. We can be people that actually speak wisdom and speak insight into people's lives, that we can actually create understanding in others. Colossians 3 verse 16 to 17 says, let the message about Christ in all its rich, richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to Him through God the Father. We can teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that He gives. I think that's cool that it, that it comes from God. That wisdom isn't just the same as like intellect. That you can be a very intellectual person. I know a lot of intellectual people, but they're actually not very wise. And I know a lot of people that are quite simple, but they're super wise. So it's, it's not necessarily how high your IQ is or how much you've studied at school, but wisdom actually comes from God. Wisdom actually comes from another place. And we can help people live wisely by speaking the truth out of Scripture. That this book is filled to the brim with wisdom on how to live your life. Wisdom beyond your years of understanding. Wisdom that you would never, we would never get if you lived your whole life and tried and failed and learned. that You could get all of that wisdom plus more by just reading this book. It's filled with wisdom. And so much of the time it's filled with wisdom that makes absolutely no sense. And you're like, that's crazy. But as you apply it to your life, you're like, wow, that actually works. The Bible is filled with wisdom on how to live our lives. And that wisdom comes from God. You know, when someone's about to make a bad decision or someone's heading down a road, you can actually gently get alongside someone and speak wisdom into that situation and can totally save their life or transform their life or, or, or stop them doing something that's going to bring destruction. That's the power that we have with our words. It can be terrifying knowing what to say in those circumstances, right? There's times when someone's been telling me something and I'm like, oh man, like I need to say something here, but I don't know what to say. The incredible thing is that we can actually... Say, say what God wants us to say. I believe that this actually comes out of um, our relationship with God. James 1 verse 5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, which is me, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Isn't that cool? That if we lack wisdom, we can ask God, and He actually wants to give it to us generously. He's not a God who's holding it back like, I've got all the answers and you guys don't. I'm more powerful than you. He's like, you ask me for wisdom, I will give it to you. Like God's wanting to give us wisdom. God doesn't want us to be dumb. God doesn't want us to make stupid choices. God actually wants to pour wisdom in your life. And so you can actually approach God and ask God for wisdom and He'll give it to you. So this tells me that not only do we need to be reading our Bibles, but we actually need to be living our lives with Jesus at a place of intimacy where we're actually intimate with Him, where we have this relationship with Him, where He speaks to us and we hear His voice, where we learn to listen to what He's saying, because then we can access this wisdom that we, we wouldn't be able to get on our own. God is infinite in wisdom. 
learning to hear God's voice, listening to the Holy Spirit. I've had conversations with people where I, um, someone's asked me for advice or we've just been talking about stuff and, and you know, they, they've wanted my opinion and so I don't ask God for his opinion but I just like spew out a bunch of stuff and just hope that something sticks. And I haven't seen a lot of fruit from some of those conversations. And then there's been other times when I've been aware before I get in there, like, okay, wait a second, I'm not going to do that again. But I, but I stop and I pray and I'm like, okay, God, speak to me. And as this person's talking, as, they're talk, as, as I'm listening, that I'm just praying, God, okay, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? And sometimes God will tell me something that I think is way too simple and way too stupid that I shouldn't suggest it. Because I'm like, no, they're going to know that. But then sometimes I just speak it out in faith. And that's exactly what that person needed in that moment. Or sometimes it's asking a question. God brings a question to mind and I ask them that and it just transforms their way of thinking. And what that does, that doesn't actually make me prideful. Like, yes, I did it. But it actually humbles me so much because I'm like, wow, that was, I, I, I didn't know that that was what they needed. Like that was totally God. So we can actually ask God for wisdom and he wants to give that to us so he can help others. Does that make sense? All right. So first we can speak wisdom. The second thing we can do is speak correction. That's a fun one. We can speak correction. Proverbs 10 verse 17 says, Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. One of the ways we can build others up is actually not be afraid to be honest with people, not be afraid to correct people. To be honest, to be frank with them, to speak truth even when it's hard. This, I think, is probably one of the scariest things ever. You know, I think there are some people that love to give correction and nobody likes those people. And then there's people who are terrified to give correction. And that's actually a good thing. It's okay to be scared of it. It's a very scary thing. And uh, I've had to do this multiple times, like in, in being a youth pastor and being in ministry and being an older brother and being um, a leader at my church when I was younger and being whatever. There's different roles where there's been moments where I've had to speak correction to someone and I really, 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 really didn't want to do it. I could see this issue, I could see this area, but I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to speak it out. But sometimes the most loving thing I can actually do for someone is to tell them that something's wrong. It's crazy. We think that being loving is always saying nice things. Sometimes it's speaking just true things. Out of a heart of love. I believe this has to come out of a, out of a heart of love. Correction has to come out of that place. Proverbs 3 verse 12 says that, For the Lord corrects those He loves. Just as the father corrects a child in whom he delights. God is our father and he corrects us, not because he hates us because he's mean, but because he loves us. Just the same as a good father or a good parent will, will correct their child, they'll discipline their child because they love them, because they want the best for them. I believe that's the same heart that we should have when we bring correction to people's lives. It should be that we really want the best for them. We truly love these people. And so sometimes when I, when I come to this area of correction, I have to stop and I have to ask myself, a couple questions. Some of the questions I ask myself is, do I want to see this person thrive? Do I want to see them absolutely thrive in their life? Or I, or I say, you know, um, do I want the best for them? Do I want to say this just so it makes me feel better? See, these are some of the questions that I have to ask myself and, and make sure that it's not coming out of some other place, not coming out of jealousy, not coming out of uh, hatred or bitterness and not coming out of some other weird place but that my heart towards this person is actually coming out of I want the best for them and once we have that then it basically just boils down to having the courage to do it being brave enough to speak up and I think honestly like sometimes 
the reason that I'm not honest with people isn't because I'm a nice person, it's because I'm scared. I don't tell people what I really think, not because, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings, but because I'm actually scared on the inside. And that's not a good place to be coming out of. That's then not speaking out of a heart of fear. But we should be operating out of a heart of love. And love does things that are scary. Do I want to see this person thrive? I think lots of the times that we're scared of these things, we don't want to risk conflict, right? We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to risk our friendship with this person. That they could turn around, they could not like what we have to say. We don't want to risk these things. We don't want to be seen as maybe up myself. I don't want to be seen as a hypocrite. So I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of saying something because of all these fears that are going on. But God actually wants us to operate out of a heart of love. I've had times in my life where someone has spoken an honest word to me. And I'm extremely grateful that they did. There's been so many times when that's happened. And sometimes it hasn't been out of the best heart. Sometimes they did it out of the wrong heart. But it still actually helped me become a better person. And there's been times where people have come up and they've done it in a really loving way and they told me something I didn't want to hear at the time. But I'm so thankful they did. Why? Because there, there's things in my life that I can't see, that I'm blind to. There are issues that I've got that other people could see, but I can't see. And I don't want to run around the rest of my life with something ugly on my face and no one tells me that it's there. Like you want, you want to wipe it off. You want someone to say, hey, you got a little something there. So you can wipe it off. It's embarrassing. You're like, oh gosh, I'm such a sloppy eater. But you know, it's, you, you're thankful that they said something. And it's the same with this, that there, there are things that people can see in me. There are things that I can see in you that, that you won't see and I won't see. And so we actually need each other to help us get better together. And so this isn't just about them being right and you being wrong. This is about us all helping each other become better people. So let's be motivated by love, not out of any other thing. Let's examine our hearts before we speak and then speak out of love and be honest with people. So we can speak wisdom. We can speak correction. The third one, uh, in a way that we can create life, is to not speak. Turn to the person next to you and say, shh, just like real creepy like. Yeah, that's good. A few people did it. Some people are like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, Sometimes the best way that you can actually use your words is to hold them. It's to not say anything. It's to just shut up. And uh, Proverbs 17 verse 27, there's so many verses about this and some of them are hilarious. Proverbs 17, 27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. If you restrain your words, you have knowledge. If you have a cool spirit, you're a man of understanding. Proverbs 29, 11 says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. So it's like this, you, you can either give in to emotion and just say whatever's on your mind and just like emotionally vomit all over people, or you can actually be a person who's respectful, who holds their cool, who's actually wise, and actually, I'm just not going to say anything. It's hard to do, yeah? But there's got to be something greater in us that actually, that we listen to instead of our emotions. We shouldn't let emotions be our driving force. This is my favorite one, Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I think Confucius says, um, a closed mouth gathers no feet. You know, if you keep your mouth closed, you're not going to put your foot in it. You're not going to say something you regret. And uh, this reminds me of conversations with my father-in-law. I'm not saying he's a fool. I'm saying he uh, 
Don't listen to this, Brad. Um, but he, re- he reminds me of this because when we talk, there's been times when I've come to him and just asked him for wisdom and he sometimes doesn't say a lot. He just listens. And then every now and then he'll like, kind of ask a question. And I was like, man, he's so wise. Like sometimes that's exactly what I need. And so when I'm with people, I feel like I'm always having to say something and make sure, you know, I'm talking in there. And then uh, they've come to me for answers, so I should just give him a lot. But he actually kind of says like not a lot. And that actually helps me process a lot. And uh, I remember telling him that one time and I was just like, man, the way that you actually like don't say a lot is actually incredibly wise. Like, I think that's awesome. And he's like, oh, well, I honestly just do it because I don't know what to say. Like, and so, but he seems intelligent. He seems like he knows exactly what he's doing, but he's like, I'm just not going to say anything here because I'll just look like a knucklehead. So and I think that is incredibly wise. Even if you don't know the answer, just to say nothing, you're going to appear more wise than you are. He is very wise. Um, I think one of the best times that we can shut our mouths is when it comes to gossip, when it comes to slander. I think we as the church are sometimes the worst at this, right? Because we're like, hey, come over here. I've got someone we need to pray for. You know, Martha, she has a real Jezebel spirit and um, we just need to. And so you start talking about this thing and you're like, it's all under the banner of like, we love this person. We want to pray for them. But it's actually not even about that. It's just like you just want to tell someone something that's a bit juicy, right? I've never done that. Never. You know, we do this. It's so easy to do. You know, even in leadership, it's very easy to do because you can be talking with another leader and you've all got issues that are happening in in the people that you're leading. And it's so easy just to want to tell them everything that's going on. But I've learned that with, with years and with like doing it the wrong way, that it's my job to actually cover people, that it's actually my job to protect people. Don't speak, don't share other people's faults around. Do you know the word Satan? The name Satan in the Bible actually means accuser of the brethren. It means to slander. And Rick Warren says that, you know, when, when we slander, we're actually doing his job for him. Isn't that crazy? Sometimes we are actually doing the job of Satan for him and he just sits back and is like, they're tearing each other apart from the inside out. I don't even have to be there. I believe that we should make his job as hard as we possibly can. Where he's like, oh, far out. I can't get them to say anything nasty about each other. They just love each other. Wouldn't that be awesome? Proverbs 17, 9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. I want to be a person that covers people. I want to be someone who, who I may know things, but I don't say anything. I keep it to myself. I've been learning to do that even with my wife, even with other people that I trust. Just I don't need to say that. When someone shares something with me, I just forget it. Okay, that's good. Just leave it. And I think when we do that, we build trust. We create trust. We create a sense of, of, of love. We create a sense of, you know, I can actually trust this person with my secrets. We can become vulnerable with people because we know that they've covered us. If we're someone who shares everything around, we're going to quite quickly use our tongue to destroy and to separate and to bring destruction. I think sometimes we can speak up when it comes to gossip is when we just need to cut it short. There's been conversations I've had and we're, we're talking about someone, or hopefully not me, and, uh, and I'm just like, you know what, like, like, can we not talk about this right now? And it's super awkward to do and you don't want them to think like you're up yourself or something, but sometimes it's the best way to stop it. Sometimes another great way to stop gossip is just to say something absolutely lovely about that person you know what, like, I think they're so good at this. Like, how awesome is it that they do this? And like, I really see God just going to use that person. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 of course I am. Yeah, yeah. And they just like try and back themselves out of it as quick as they can. But 
So there are times we need to speak up, but there are times we just need to not partake in it, not give an ear to that. Just cut it short. And let's not create a culture of slander here, but let's create a culture of trust and covering each other. Another time when I think it's good to shut your mouth is in conflict, right? When someone comes to you and they're accusing you of a whole lot of things, and it's very easy to want to justify yourself, and it's very easy to spit back, yeah, but you do this. And uh, how many conversations have ended right there? Just like, you do this, and they're like, yeah, you're right. It's like, that never happens. Like, you say, you do this, I do this, and it just builds and builds, and it gets messier and messier, and you say stuff you regret, and... and uh, it's, it's not helpful, but sometimes the best thing that we can do is let people kind of have their go and just not say anything and not try to justify yourself, but try and get to the deeper issue and just try and pause, listen, stop. Maybe you need to walk away. Maybe say, I can't talk about this right now. Whatever it is, there are times I know, I've learned through my life that in conflict, it doesn't help to always say something, that there are times when I need to just zip my lip, shut my pie hole and listen. Not to speak out of a place of defensiveness, but to speak out of a place of wisdom, right? Hard to do, but that creates unity, that creates life. And the last one I wanted to mention today is to speak encouragement. So you've got speak wisdom, speak correction, don't speak, and speak encouragement. I think this is the biggest one. Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Proverbs 12 verse 25 says, Worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word builds a person up or cheers a person up. Building one another up. This is one of the most powerful tools at your disposal is encouragement. We actually have this, uh, this, this incredible gift that we can actually share generously with other people anytime we want and it can transform lives being an encourager. There's this guy in the Bible, Bible named, the Bible, there's this guy in the Bible named Barnabas. That's why I was saying it like that. Um, Barnabas, and he was actually known, his nickname was the encourager. I mean, I wish that was my nickname. My nickname at the moment is uh, Freddie Mercury. It was, Sam Tonkas be calling me that because of the jacket and the mustache, I don't know. Um, and the lycra I wear around the house or something like that. Um, but Barnabas the encourager, right? He's this guy who's known for being encouraging. How awesome is that? And in Acts 11, the church is doing really well. And, and it says this in verse 22, When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. I would love people to say that about me. You know, good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, an encourager, full of joy. I think we should be like Barnabas. I think we should be people that, that when something's good's happening, they're like, we want to send you over here to encourage these people because you're really good at encouraging people. When something terrible's happening, that they're like, we just need to send you over here just to encourage this person because they're having a hard time. Like if we were known for our encouragement, if we were known for the way that we build others up, where we get excited with people, where we rejoice with people who are rejoicing, when we, we get alongside people who are suffering and, and mourning, that we would actually be people who encourage one another and build that unity. There's a difference between flattery and encouragement, right? Flattery is, is kind of like encouragement, but without being specific. I believe that encouragement is very specific. 
real encouragement is. And if you, you could say to someone, you know, like for one of my leaders, I could say, hey, thanks for serving on Friday night. I appreciate it. And that's flattery. It's like, I appreciate it, but like I haven't really said why. It's just kind of like this general statement. But if I say, hey, like I appreciate how you came early. You, you set a really good example. You came on time and then how you, you just poured everything into tonight and you were encouraging and you really brought the atmosphere in this place and it lifted when you showed up. And if I started being specific with, with what I was thankful for, that means a whole lot more. Has anyone had encouraging words spoken to them that were really specific? You know, people have this saying like, you need the hundred positive words for every negative word. I actually don't fully agree with that. I think maybe you need a hundred words of flattery for every negative word, but I believe that one good word of encouragement can last a long time. I've had people speak things over me and I haven't forgotten it for months. It's like, I just kept smiling when I think about it. Just like, wow, that meant a lot. I believe that encouragement, real encouragement, specific encouragement can actually be super sticky and it can stick with people. Proverbs 18 verse 20, just to back up my point, get a scripture in there. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. Isn't that cool? The right words can bring satisfaction and satisfy you like a good meal. I think about when I go to people's houses and, and, and they put on a spread or they have a server for dinner. It's, it's one thing when you kind of come over and they're just kind of getting everything together and they're kind of like cleaning up the house as you're there. Like, sorry, just like getting stuff ready and kind of dig in the fridge and find some leftovers and give it to you. And it's like, thanks. It's like, okay to come for dinner. Like I've had times like that and it's fine. But then there are other times and they're, they're super meaningful when you go to someone's house and there's a lot of pre-thought that's gone into it. And everything's prepared and they've been expecting you to come and they've prepared this meal. They know that it's a meal that you like. And, you know, those are the times when I feel like really blessed. Like, wow, this person put in a lot of work just for me to be here. You know, not saying either one is right or wrong, but that there are times when that means a lot more. And I think it's the same with our words that if we actually... Don't just throw our words around casually and just like not have a lot of thought in them, but just like kind of say something nice, but you haven't really planned what you're going to say. I think real encouragement comes when you've, you've pre-thought about what you're going to say, when you've, you've planned like, okay, this person is really good at this. Like I want to go up and I want to talk to them about this. Not just throwing out words willy-nilly, but actually like being intentional with what you're saying. It means a whole lot more. I think it's incredible that, that we can actually be generous with our encouragement that this isn't something that has a limit on it. It's not something that, you know, you can only encourage someone once a day. It's like you can encourage someone as much as you want and you can actually change people's lives by encouraging them regularly. Like if you just sent someone a text today, just randomly out of the blue and just told them all the reasons you're thankful for them, how, thankful, how appreciative would they be? You could totally make their week. But we, some reason we just don't do it. But it's actually so easy. Like it would take me like a minute and I could just shoot someone a text right now and that would last them a week. That's a pretty good return on investment. But we don't always do that, right? But we actually have the power to do that. You have the power to speak life regularly, generously, all the time. And we can do that. We can actually see the world shift with what we say. Has anyone seen Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe? Right, when uh, the, newest, the newest one with uh, Liam Neeson is Aslan. And what a good voice for God. Um, and Aslan is, he's going around and it's after everything's kind of been done and he, he like breathes his breath and uh, everything that's frozen kind of unfreezes and people come back to life and you see that all the frozen ground becomes like beautiful flowers and everything grows. That's kind of the picture that I get when I see encouragement. That it's kind of like you can speak this life out into the world and, and frozen people, cold hearts start to melt. 
and that the world around you that was once empty and quiet and it starts to have life in it and birds singing and butterflies flying and flowers growing, you can actually speak life into the world around you. Isn't that cool? We can do that. You have the power to do that. You have the power to bring light into darkness. You have the power to speak hope into hopelessness. You have the power to bring faith where there's been fear. You have the power in your tongue today. You can go out of this place, go to lunch, and you can start speaking life and seeing the world change. That your tongue is not just useful for communication. Your tongue is actually useful to create. This morning, we're going to have communion. And I think this is a great time just to remember what Jesus has done for us. That He started this whole thing. That He he went into the world and He gave Himself up for us that we could have life. That He sent His Son to die on a cross who was raised again and conquered the power of sin and death that we could have life. The only reason that we can speak life into people is because of what He has done. And so this morning as we come to communion, I want us to remember to thank Him, to thank God for the life that He's given us. To thank Him for His reckless, crazy love. To turn our attention towards Him. To thank Him for what He's done. To seek Him in that, in that quiet place. And to turn our eyes back on Him. And then as we leave this place with a fresh perspective on His love, that we would go and we would, we would share His light, that we would share this love, that we would speak life wherever we go. Amen? So the communion is at the sides and up the back if you want to take it in your own time. And we're going to sing another worship song together. Awesome.